Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you about strange things that happened in history. I am your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me as ever is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Hello. Hello. So we missed a week again. Uh, we're so bad at this. I know, but it's because of illness again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We have friends who are teachers. You're a teacher. Yeah. It's just inevitable that at this time of year, you and therefore I repeatedly get sick. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, we missed last week, but we are back. And hopefully it'll be a good few weeks before we're in again. <laughs> Oh, God. Yes, I know. It won't be. <laughs> I'm already ill again. <laughs> Is this not still the same illness? I don't know anymore. Oh, fair enough. Well, to cheer you up, let's talk about street harassment. Oh, God. <laughs> again? <laughs> yes. Yes. So before we've covered the London monster who um, harassed women and slashed at their buttocks. He did, horribly. Yes, I know, terrible man. Wouldn't it be great if something could be done to help those women fight back against him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had that guy who came along and said how gorgeous they all were. I've forgotten what his name was. Well, I'm talking about arming the women themselves. Awesome. Okay. So, for this episode... We're not going to have a sort of strict narrative structure that we sometimes do. Okay. Because I'm going to be a little bit vague about dates because a lot of this stuff, I mean, it happened around the same sort of period. We're looking at sort of mid to late 19th century and early 20th century. Okay. And we're also looking generally at America and Europe. Okay. Although a lot of the stories come from America because articles about this topic tend to be about American people. Okay. But I am going to... Because they've got guns. Well, no. Okay. No. I mean, to be fair, so did the British at that point. Yes, but they also had something else as well. But let's get to that later. Okay. And first, I want to talk to you about mashers. Okay. Now, the term masher... Uh referring to an individual, a man... Right. ...originally meant that he was a cool guy. Really? Yeah. It was like terms like a dandy or a swell. But masher doesn't have the same... Right, like... It doesn't have the same feel to it. No, it doesn't. The exact origin of it isn't entirely clear... But we do have a description coming from a magazine in 1882... Okay. ...which says... A masher is usually a swell, but every swell is not a masher. Okay. To, to be awfully mashed on, a young woman is equivalent to being terrible spoons or very hard hit. <laughs> Sorry, terrible spoons. Terrible spoons. <laughs> okay. The masher proper is a young gentleman who, having become a devout adorer of some fair actress, nightly frequents the house where she is engaged, that he may feast his eyes upon her beauty. Right, okay. So, actually, this makes way more sense to me when you've got the American accent on. Right. I guess I was thinking, like, oh, you're a dandy. You're such a masher. Like, that didn't, <laughs> that didn't really work. Yeah. But a mash, like, masher. Masher. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. So, a masher originally was someone who might be a bit too into a particular actress that he likes. Right, okay. I it, mean, that happens all the time in Jeeves and Worcester, so... I mean, this is true. And... The theory is that the term came about because the adoring youth became the actress's mash, like the favourite food of a highly fed horse. (laughs) Okay. 
because that's the term for a horse yeah, feed is yeah. mash. Right, right. We're not certain. I'll say that. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, what I was thinking was apparently back in the 20s, um, whenever someone would develop one of those schoolgirl or schoolboy crushes on one's own gender right you know like when you're young and you've got a great admiration for someone who's older and it's a little bit of a crush but you're not really actually attracted to them okay that used to be called a pash oh as in passion yeah yeah so i was wondering if a mash was like a, a passion for uh, no it's a mashin <laughs> okay <laughs> uh possibly it might come from a similar sort of place but the thing is that a masher didn't stay someone who was you know a swell and probably a bit harmless. Yeah. Just a bit weird, maybe. Like one of those slightly annoying people who's really into a certain actor, yeah. Yeah. They started pointing out that their elbows are too pointy for them or something. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, as time went by, they were no longer these lovesick swains, but were street harassers, basically. Great. And mashing became a term that basically meant to harass women, generally on public transport, in public locations. Uh-huh. You know, all The huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does put the, mon- the monster mash into a different perspective, doesn't oh, it? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of this happened, or it suggested that part of this happened because women were kind of more available at this time than they had been before. Right. We'd moved out of the era where women kind of needed to be chaperoned everywhere, which right. meant that women were more frequently going out by themselves or to go to other meet with other female friends without a man present. Okay, so we're talking about middle-class women. Uh, yes. Because working-class women have never been chaperoned. Well, no, yes, but this is the suggestion as to why... The sorts of men who are likely to harass women on the street, suddenly they have way more targets available. Okay, so this is like... But what I'm saying is this is one of those things where it gets picked up more because it's middle-class women who are attracting this catcalling street harassment styles. Yeah. Instead of working-class women who presumably have had to put up with it the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And once this problem had, uh, you know, seen the light of day, of course, society did... Nothing to deal with it, really. Mm. No one... People didn't really want to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. There were reputations at stake, both for the women and the men involved. Of course. And there was Honestly, you can't shout insults at women on the street (laughs) anymore. How are you supposed to live? Well, there was some outcry against it. There was actually... There there were a lot of men who were really vocal against the uh, activities of the mashers. Okay. Oddly enough, that support dried up after women got the vote. Mm. I think there's a sort of patriarchal misogyny there where it's like, oh, we must look after the women. Yes, exactly. Um, In attempts to deal with it, there was a judge in Omaha, Nebraska, who created a system of fines for verbal harassment. Okay. And these included uh, a man could be fined $5 if, whilst mashing, he calls a woman baby doll or chicken. (laughs) Okay. So, first of all, $5 is quite a lot. It is a lot of money, yeah. And second of all... I love it. I love the whilst mashing bit. You can call a woman baby doll in a different situation, <laughs> or well, chicken. <laughs> yes, but I suppose it's like you know, if if 
I don't know what circumstances there would be that I might call a woman I know baby doll or chicken. If you weren't mashing. Yeah. Like, like maybe you're allowed to call your wife baby doll. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose so. Well, despite these heavy fines from this admittedly one judge. Yeah. How are you going to enforce that? I have no idea. Mashing continued, so women had to find their own way to defend themselves, and it came from the world of fashion. Okay, awesome. I mean, we have seen that already with the London Monster. Yes, this is true. Because they started putting on false buttocks, if I recall. Yes, but while in the case of the London Monster, the uh, women were very defensive, Mm -hmm. in this case, they became very offensive. Awesome. They decided to take the fight directly to the mashers. They started getting petticoats, which just had baby doll written on them so they could flash baby doll back at people (laughs) no no they stabbed them oh fun yes okay (laughs) so we are looking as i say in the world of fashion and particularly millinery Ooh. we are looking at hats okay fashion at the time was for women to wear very large hats okay and particularly very large hats with lots of things in them what, like feathers and stuff? Feathers, fruits, okay, all sorts of stuff. Like, the more you got on there, the better. Amazing. We need to go back to those times. Yes. But the question is, how are you going to, like, put all, stick all these things into your hat? How are you going to, like, stick a whole apple to your hat? <laughs> glue won't work. We don't have good glue at the moment. It's basically Pritt stick. I'm not sure that's true, but okay. It's not true, but anyway, they weren't going to use any sort of epoxy like glue. No, no, no. They were going to use hat pins. Nice. I always thought those were to stick your hat on to your head. Well, they kind of were originally. Okay. Originally, they were used to uh, keep wimples and veils in place. Oh, wimples, really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know they were that old. Yeah, they are actually very old. And they were... For a long time, they were kind of a um, sign that you were, uh, you know, elite and wealthy. Okay. Because hat pins were quite hard to make by hand. Right. With- this, this has cleared up a medieval mystery for me. Oh, okay. Um, because in the introduction to the friar, we are told that he often used to give ladies of the town pins. Oh, And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like, clearly they were more expensive than we thought. Mm. But clearly, actually, this was like a really fashionable thing to give a lady. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, Now, for our listeners, when we're thinking about hat pins, we're not thinking of like a small pin. These could be anywhere between eight inches to a foot long Mm. and normally would have like a decorative head to them. Yeah. Because they're going to kind of stick out, so you want it to look nice. Yeah, they were hefty, and they were very fashionable for a very long time. And as we sort of went into the Industrial Revolution and we were going uh, through that, they became so fashionable that in Britain, demand outpaced supply, and Britain had to end up importing hat pins from France. From France, you say? Yes. Mon Dieu! Fortunately, we didn't have to do that for too long because in 1832, a machine was invented in America that could mass produce hat pins. Oh, thank God. And this is what caused the fashion for big hats and big things in hats to skyrocket. Oh, because everyone could do that now. Exactly. Right, okay. So it became very fashionable 
and it meant that women had very long spikes in their hats. Right. So a form of vigilantism emerged against the masher, with women defending themselves using admittedly various different tools, but most famously was the hat pin. Okay. Now, I have to ask, so, so far, you've mentioned mashers, like, harassed women on the street Mm -hmm. in the kind of way that men's razor ads try to discourage us from doing nowadays. Yes. Namely, like, catcalling. Yeah. Were women stabbing them in retaliation to catcalling? Yes. Whoa! (laughs) Okay. I dislike catcalling. I think it's really, really dumb and harassy. I'm not sure those people deserve to get stabbed, though. Well, I mean... We're not... The thing is that mashing can go beyond catcalling. Okay. It can go to groping. Mm. Uh, We'll actually see a case of this uh, shortly. Okay. And to be honest, it was more about just having a weapon. Okay. Uh, I think this is why it's like different tools in the women's arsenal (laughs) were used. I think hat pin is like, you are defending yourself. Right. But... A lot of other things we use, like umbrellas, were particularly popular. Nice. Um, But the hat pin kind of was seen as, I guess, the symbol for this movement, as it were. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. It is a very peculiarly female thing to have. Mm. Whereas, I guess, umbrellas, women did carry them more, but I guess men would have carried them too. Yeah. And also, in America, um, many places actually didn't allow you to carry concealed firearms at that point what yeah i know right oh my god so it's not like you could hide a gun in your dress or anything yeah so after this became its own thing with hat pinning okay i don't think that was actually a term but i am just gonna sure say yeah what it is yeah uh initially there was huge public support for the women okay uh particularly from newspapers newspapers were really cheering on these fight against the mashers printing loads of stories about women saving the day basically that's amazing yeah um they also newspapers published self-defense articles showing women how to effectively use their hat pins and other weapons as well a manual was published that involved teaching women a combination of jujitsu Yep. Hat pin stabbing. Yep. And umbrella whacking. Nice. In order to defend themselves against the masher. Now, the jiu-jitsu doesn't surprise me, actually. Jiu-jitsu has an interesting history in Western culture, I would mm. say. But it was like the suffragettes' martial arts. Yes, it was. And the suffragettes are actually going to cause a bit of a problem later on. I don't know. I mean, they sometimes do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like these defense te- techniques were working pretty well. Uh, there was a story, I couldn't get more information about it, but I really wanted to. It was about a Chicago showgirl who got sick of a man constantly making remarks at her. And it reports that she beat him in the face with her umbrella. Oh my God. <laughs> I really want to know more about it, but unfortunately I couldn't find more than that. Mm. We do, however, have some other stories. In 1898 Chicago, two men got onto a streetcar, mm-hmm. a tram, yeah. and tried to rob the conductor. Oh my god. There were five passengers on the tram at the time, three men and two women. Okay. The three men did nothing. Yeah. One of the women did nothing. The other woman, Sadie Williams, decided that she was going to help the conductor. Okay. Because it was very clear that he was going to get beaten up and robbed, and she was like, no, I'm not having that. So 
She took out her hat pin. Amazing. She moved to the men. She stabbed one. Whoa. He turned to face his new attacker. Yeah. She stabbed him again. <laughs> okay. He jumped off the tram and ran away. Yeah. The second one turned around because, you know, his partner's just run off. Yeah. And Sadie stabbed him in through his cheek. Whoa! Yeah. He ran away. Yeah. I think that's the wise thing to do. Probably. I mean, that's very cool as kind of like vigilante justice for the little people. Yeah. Hatpin girl. Yeah. Sadie Williams, I think, she she was a bit probably overwhelmed by the whole thing, probably had a bit of adrenaline running because she then did faint. Yeah, fair. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, that's quite a lot to yeah, deal it, with. It really is. Also, I'm not sure, like... I, I imagine that going to stab someone with a hat pin, because it's kind of like a common everyday thing that you're not necessarily associating with violence, mm. you might not know how far it could go into somebody. There is that. And that, then find out. Yeah. I really, oh, it, it made me feel a bit icky mm. when I was thinking about the cheek. Like, that's just horrible. Yeah, it's got very much those vibes from the end of Hot Fuzz when um, oh, Timothy God, Dalton yeah. falls onto the mini cathedral. See, that's that's better than what I was thinking because I was actually thinking Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, right. <laughs> you know the horrible bit I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, it's grim. Good film, but grim. Mm. Well, uh, after Sadie came to, the conductor was very grateful and basically told everyone the story and was like this woman is a hero yeah everyone needs to hear about this no 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 happens yay <laughs> so another story uh probably the most famous one happened in 1903 and it happened to a woman called leotti baker she was from kansas and she was taking a trip to new york city Okay. She was in a stagecoach on Fifth Avenue when a 50-year-old man sitting beside her decided that he would take advantage of the cover caused by the bumpy road. And as the road bumped, Leotti noticed that he was inching closer to her. Uh. And his hip was touching her, his shoulder was touching her, Mm -hmm. and eventually he got bold enough that he tried to put his arm around her. Uh. First around her shoulders and then moved down to her lower back. Mm. By this time, Leotti had had enough. She drew out her hat pin. Good. And stabbed the man through the meaty part of his arm. Oh! He screamed in pain. Yeah. Causing much alarm to the other people in the stagecoach, but actually didn't say anything. I think he was so embarrassed (laughs) that he had basically been caught in, like, so directly that he didn't say anything. And as soon as the stagecoach stopped at its next stop, he just got off and left without saying a word. I think that nowadays a lot of men who do manspreading on the tube can be grateful that we no longer have a fashion for hat pins. <laughs> yeah. Well, afterwards, uh, Leotti was interviewed about the whole situation by the New York World. She was. That doesn't uh, sound like a real newspaper. No, that it sounds like that was it? made up for Superman. Yeah. Well, she said, he was such a nice-looking old gentleman. I was sorry to hurt him. I didn't pay attention to him, but finally his actions became so annoying that I could scarcely stand it. I became so enraged that I didn't know what to do. I've heard about Broadway mashers and L mashers. Don't know what that means. Okay. But I didn't know Fifth Avenue had a particular brand of its own. 
If New York women will tolerate mashing, Kansas girls will not. Oh my God, what a hero. <laughs> I know, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? I love this whole, I ain't one of you big city women, I'm used to stabbing men in the <laughs> meaty part of the arm. Oh yes, back in the countryside, we girls get to stabbing all day long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like... um. Imagine Judy Garland's like turning up in New York City and seeing women refuse to stab men who are flirting with them. <laughs> We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. <laughs> We're not in Kansas anymore. Now get out your stabbing knife, Toto. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Dorothy Gable going around shanking men is so hilarious. That's great. The Wizard of Oz remake is an 18 for blood and gore. (laughs) Blood, gore and feminism. (laughs) Well, hat pinning was such a big thing. uh, It became very popular in cartoons and newspapers that would often show women defending themselves against mashers in various different ways, most notably with their hat pins. I've seen a cartoon which is about... um, women attempting to get birth control or something okay it's got a stalk with a baby in its in its beak you know like on in the little sling and this woman's attacking it with an umbrella and underneath it says and still the villain pursues her (laughs) that's great (laughs) well uh Newspapers were printing these things and it appeared in the music hall as well. Amazing. A song called Never Go Walking Without Your Hat Pin became popular. Do you have it? I do, yes. I've heard that Grandpa really was a mess. So Grandma knew whereof she spoke, I guess. Never go walking out without your hat pin. Not even to some very classy joints. So, listeners, I've just played the whole thing to Amelia, and Uh. I won't have put the whole thing in this (laughs) because of copyright reasons, but if you want to look up the whole thing and listen to it, it is a dark song. There are a shocking number of rape jokes. There are, yeah. It's pretty horrific. Also, is the grandma, like, stabbing grandpa every night? Like, what's the indica- implication there? I don't exactly know. Okay. I mean, it says that grandpa was a mess. Grandpa was a mess, and grandma knows best. Presumably because grandma is repeatedly stabbing him with a hat <laughs> Get off me, Charles! <laughs> Oh, no. Well, I mean... No, I know. Yeah, it, it is very much the theme of the song. Yeah. It's it's pretty dark. Um, they even make a maidenhead joke. Jesus they Christ. Did. Yeah. Yeah. It is... Um, yeah, probably, listener, at this point, you probably don't want to listen to the whole thing. I'll probably have just put, like, the grandpa bit in or something. Yeah. Because that's, like, pretty much the least worrying bit about that <laughs> song. But, you know, it was very clear that... People knew what was going on, what these street harassers were all about. Yeah. And that, you know, women had a right to defend themselves. Yes. And the hat pin. This is why I didn't really balk at the whole stabbing thing. I think the problem was just in terms of our way of understanding the story, it kind of went street harassment, catcalling styles, and then women stab them. But then we're like, oh, no, no, no. Like, groping and... 
probably more. Yeah, Because let's face it, that is the nature of rape culture. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. The stabbings continue. (laughs) The stabbings will continue until the culture changes. Well, they don't, though, do they? Because we don't have happens anymore. No, absolutely. And it's like, when you read these sorts of stories, they're just so similar to modern day stories. It is... The the thing is, though, you just know that if we still had hat pins, then there would be stories in the news with people going, well, why wasn't she wearing a hat pin? Why didn't she defend herself? Yep. Did that happen at the time? Oh, yes. Oh, God. A little bit later on. Why because, are people so predictable? Well, they really are. And of course, you know, things were going to turn eventually. But before that, we do have one last cool story. Okay, good. Which involves President Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. Who seemed to really approve of the hat pin. Teddy Roosevelt had a very interesting daughter. Yeah? Her name was Alice, I think. Okay. And apparently he said something along the lines of, I can either govern the country or I can keep an eye on Alice, but I cannot possibly do both. (laughs) Like, I think she had a snake that she took to parties and had a lot of boyfriends and smoked cigarettes all the time. Well, the snake did? No, Alice. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm just imagining a snake with a cigarette at a party. It's <laughs> great. great. Well, he was giving a speech and there was a fence around the area so that you had, you know, people who'd, I guess, paid to be close to the president or whatever on the inside. Sure. And then a fence and everyone else who just, you know, wanted to listen outside. <laughs> okay. And a group of men became disruptive and they started climbing the fence and blocking everyone else's view. Okay. So... A group of women got pretty pissed off at this. Yeah. They drew out their hat pins. Excellent. And poked at the men until they ran away. (laughs) I think this is also, like, thinking about it in terms of stabbing, I think it's not just, you know, like some of the extreme cases. It's not really fatal, is it? No. Well, I mean... In some cases, it was, well, not from the stabbing itself, but generally because, you know, those things weren't clean. Yeah. And blood poisoning became a thing. But, I mean, there's various levels of hat pin stabbing. Yeah, this sounds like a, but- a buttock prodding. Exactly. This isn't, you know, Leotti Baker right through the arm. Yeah. This is a poking until they ran away. And the men did run away. And Teddy Roosevelt said of the situation, No man, no matter how courageous he may be, likes to face a resolute woman with a hat pin in her hand. That's a cool quote. Yeah. I like it. He was pretty supportive of the whole thing. Understandable. He did seem to be up for people defending themselves and also shooting as much as possible. Yeah, very much so. I think he was very much in with that idea of, well... Yeah. Women got to defend themselves. He's kind of like a Ron Swanson of his time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. But as I've alluded to on multiple occasions, all good things must come to an end. Yeah. And there was an inevitable backlash against these women and their hat pins. Okay. And it might have been partly because of the women's suffrage movement. Okay. Because this was causing concern for many male establishment figures that these particular women were rowdy and essentially had needles on them. Yeah, understandable. The suffragettes could get very violent. Oh, yes. Yeah. And as such, it was kind of used as an excuse to start drawing up legislation to effectively disarm women. Right. We want them to be easier to arrest so that we can shove tubes down their noses or whatever. Exactly. 
And at around this time, the newspapers started turning on the women as well, okay. suggesting that, you know, they might accidentally stab an innocent man. Oh, no. Or maybe they wouldn't need a hat pin if they weren't showing off their ankles or their necks <laughs> or whatever. This is genuinely, there was stuff like that. No, I genuinely believe it. Yeah. Do you know the reason why Edwardian women used to wear such high necks, by the way? Why? Like, this was because... Vampires. <laughs> No, it was because of um, the queen at the time. Right. Apparently, she didn't like the way her neck looked. Like, there was something slightly disfigured about it. Okay. So, she used to wear very high lace collars, and that's why the fashion came in in the first place, to wear these high lace collars. So, yeah, this wasn't a modesty thing. It became a modesty thing, but at at first it was just we want to look like the Queen and the Queen wants to hide her neck. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know that modesty things are usually just an excuse. Oh, yeah. Like, it's never really about that. It's more about, you know, using these things to bludgeon women. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this began the period known as the Hatpin Panic. (laughs) Great. Establishment figures who were opposed to these women and their hatpins effectively managed to shift the narrative from the danger women felt from mashers and the right to defend themselves to the threat that men felt from women with hatpins. I mean, it's exactly like the hashtag me too movement. It really is, yeah. You never know when some random woman is going to stab you with a hatpin. Yeah. And you were just being a nice guy and holding (laughs) the door open for her or something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's remarkable how little it has changed. We always end up with this when it's something like the Me Too movement. I mean, this happened with the London Monster as well. Yeah, that's when everyone true. was worried that some random woman would accuse him of being yeah. the monster. Yeah. Well, legislation was proposed in parts of America to outlaw hatpins entirely. Well, how did they expect women to keep their hats on? Well, this is the thing. It failed for that exact reason. Yeah. Because, you know, the fashion industry was really big and was like, no, we do need these hat pins. Yeah. Because, you know, hats with whole apples on them or anything like that. <laughs> well, just even the hats are so big. And women yeah. had really big buns at the time as well. So you had to hold the hats on somehow. Yeah. They wouldn't just stay there. Well, the establishment figures basically compromised, and rather than outlawing hat pins, they passed legislation which would limit the length of a hat pin so it could no longer be a foot long. I mean, I'm not sure you ever needed a foot long hat pin. I think that's just showing off. No, apparently they did. Really? Yeah, for some of these hats... They were so big that they needed a foot-long hat pin. That was why they were that long in the first place. <laughs> oh, my God. It was ridiculous. Oh, God. Uh, I, I kind of want a hat that big and a foot-long hat pin. You do suit hats. I do suit hats. Mm. I think we've only ever found one hat that didn't suit you. Yeah. And that wasn't. it wasn't even like the style of hat. It was just that one hat. Yep. Well, the legislation passed. Hat pins had to be smaller. And they also passed other legislation, which meant that the sharp end of the hat pin had to always be covered in public right so wealthier women basically had turned this into the fashion thing and fancy covers were made to put on the end of the hat pins sure and poorer women apparently made do with things like bits of cork or or spare bits of potato (laughs) oh that needs to come into fashion (laughs) potato hats yeah (laughs) so they basically just stick the hat pin in the potato which I mean like 
I still think that you could still draw it out. Yeah, no, like, this isn't protecting anyone. No. This is just some kind of bizarre concealed carry bullshit. It really is. Um, basically, if you, as a woman, went around with your hat pin drawn or anything like that, then you could face fines. Wow. And How much? Well, it varied from place to place, but I did find some places were finding as much as $50. What? But people were only fined $5 in Nebraska for calling people chickens. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous, but what else would you expect? I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's that's so annoying, though. I don't like this whole idea at all. It's so stupid. Yeah. And it's just another way to punish women, and presumably women who couldn't afford a fancy hat pin cover. Well, that's why they use the potatoes. What if your potato goes all the way through? Well, that is a good point. Like, you're basically going to end up with a kebab on your head. Mm-hmm. There were women, however, who refused to abide by these rules, kept their old foot-long hat pins and did not cover them at all. And even when they were fined, they refused to change. Wow. Basically saying, no, hat pins keep us safe. We are not going to get rid of them. This whole thing feels like it should build to some satisfying climax. And I'm afraid I don't have one for you. Because the hatpin panic ended pretty abruptly and didn't arise again because of World War One. I. I thought it would be because of World War One. Yeah. Because you're not going to have big hats anymore. No, you don't have big hats anymore. The metal that would be used to yeah. make the hatpins is being used for other things. Yeah. Notably, you know, war. Yep. And once uh, World War One was over, fashion had kind of gone back to, you know, smaller hats. It's yeah. still keeping on that whole, you know, saving money. Everything's and being kind of rationy. Yeah. And anyway, then we get onto the 1920s. Exactly. And, and way more freedom of movement and that kind of thing. Yeah. So fashion changes again. These huge hats don't really come back, which means that the hat pin doesn't come back. And we never get really a satisfying conclusion to the whole thing. War basically <laughs> ruined the whole uh, history of the hat pin panic because, I mean, it, it's fair enough. These sorts of things happen. It's just, it's it's a shame to me that there isn't a satisfying conclusion to it. I suppose to me it kind of, it, it is maybe a little bit more satisfying just because I'm thinking of it from the British point of view, yeah. which is that War may have ended the hat pin panic by just getting rid of hat pins. Yeah. But it's also the reason why women got the vote. Yes, that's true. So I guess in terms of giving up one form of protection, yeah. at least women in this country started to gain a different form of protection, which... um like, it's difficult to tell whether the suffragettes would actually have succeeded mm. if it hadn't been for the war, because there was all of this, like, deep distrust of women especially ones who were violent yeah and it was only the war that kind of meant that they could take an active role and then there could be an excuse to give them the vote and there were far fewer men that's true <laughs> um, but i mean that means that we get rid of the hat pins but in yeah. the end we get the right to vote and one day we can vote to have hat pins back again yay yes we should definitely have a political party running on that very premise yes and nothing else and nothing else one of those uh like uh, one man pressure group things <laughs> to bring back the hat pin i really hope it's a man as well oh, i wish yeah. your hair <laughs> 
Well, thank you for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4 and suggest episodes to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to help us out, the very best thing you can do at the moment is give us a five-star rating on your listening app of choice. And thank you as ever for Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that Barnaby has used in this podcast. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and never go walking out without your hat pin. Bye!